When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Sturkers and Radar Uncut, brought to you by Ping. Play your best. A monthly podcast where we talk all things golf. We'll tackle and debate the meaty topics of the moment, hear from some great guests, look at what's good and bad in the game right now, and all that while trying to keep Radar in check. That's not an easy feat, is it? (laughs) Radar, we, well, my most memorable experience of working with you, I think, we go back to 2015, the President's Cup, overnight in the studio, on air 11pm till probably 8 in the morning. We spent the night together covering the President's Cup all those years ago. We talked about working together, doing something like this. It's finally happened. Well, I've been asked many times, Sarah, what was it like to spend the night with you? And it was, uh, you know, I didn't really know what to say, but we did actually, for we should, the boss shouldn't listen to this, but we, we did actually at stages there sort of doze off on the lounge. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, an extremely difficult time. It was, uh, but it was a great President's Cup. This is going to be a blast. We've been wanting to do this for quite some time. I'm looking forward to this. So we're going to we're going to debate kind of a more of a conversation between the two of us, but there's plenty to discuss in the world of golf right now. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's so much um, so much going on in the game of golf. There's so many great players around. Uh, world number ones. It's musical world number ones right now with Ram, Rory, Rory making his way back. You've got Justin Thomas. You've got DJ. You've got all these players, and and you've got Bryson DeChambeau. Be do in there as well. So um, let's just see what happens here. Big news, though, from the last couple of weeks. Radar is on Instagram. I mm. talked to you about this quite a lot. I didn't think this was ever going to happen, but it is now. Well, you made me. I'm. I, I was. Was I instrumental? Well, in you, you were on Instagram? absolutely were, and so were my kids, my daughters as well. But uh, you've been on for ages. You've got so many followers, and rightly so. And uh, what, what? I've had some strange. I want to ask you. Now, me first. You've been on there. What is the strangest thing you've been, yeah, that you've, that's been said to you on I mean, either Twitter or, or Instagram? I love social media. I, well, I kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship. It's brilliant, isn't it? it you, you know, your first kind of look for you of Instagram, it's great. You get to interact. You get to speak to people. You get to kind of, you know, when you're at tournaments, show people what you're up to. But there's this one follower who repeatedly asks to see pictures of my feet. <laughs> now, he, over the course, what, with flip-flops on? Or what, what, what's over the story? course of the last two years, I must have had about 20 messages asking for pictures of my feet. I mean, I've got, I've, you know, I've got nice feet, I think. I've, you know, 
gel pedicure and all that. You'd have, but uh, but why? why? I don't. Uh, you know, maybe someone should ask Ian Thorpe or Phelps's <laughs> feet, but I don't know about Sarah Stirk's feet. But there you go. Please, people, don't ask for any pictures of any part of my anatomy because it won't be forthcoming. <laughs> anyway, we'd love you to get in touch with us on the podcast at uh, Twitter Sturkers Radar at Sturkers Radar or on Instagram at Sturkers and Radar Pod. Please, though, no requests for feet. And remind the audience what your Instagram handle is, Radar. Well, it's Wayne Radar Riley slash. I think. <laughs> Honestly, I think. I think you'll find it. This was, this was so funny, ladies and gentlemen. The other, the other day, we were sort of back and forth on WhatsApp. And he said, who should I follow? And I'm like, well, you follow who you want to follow. And I keep getting these random WhatsApp messages sort of asking, what do I, how do I you know, put a story up or whatever? It's like, a, it's like a beginner's guide to Instagram, isn't it? It is, yeah. I just haven't been interested in it. You know, but now I, I quite enjoy it, especially the picture side. When I go out for a walk quite a lot, I like taking pictures and, and that sort of thing. So... The arty part of it I like, but sometimes the, 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 the nuisances uh, should, should, should need not apply because, uh, you know, I don't handle that very well. But, uh, you know, you'll see some nice fun stuff when it comes to me, Radar. You'll see some nice, um, nice things. Exactly. Anyway, should we crack on? Yeah. First up, episode one, Sturkers and Radar Uncut. Now, Radar, one of my favourite things about you is the unpredictability. You never quite know what is coming next, what you are going to say. So we've given you your own little segment. Radar's rants. What's grinding your gears? Now, this is a radar's rant. What about the penalty area? The penalty area to me, why did we change it from penalty area? Why did we go from hazard? What was wrong with the hazard? When I'm out there and someone hits it in the water there and I go, oh, Rory McElroy's hit it down there in the hazard. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. And they, I, in my ear, the, the producer comes back, it's not a penalty, it's not a hazard anymore, Radar. It's a penalty. And I go, oh, oh, oh it's, it's a penalty area. I can't really understand why we went that way. You know, I think everyone was easier with hazard. It was just simple. It is a hazard. The darn ball is in the water, folks. It's in there and it's in a hazard. Penalty area, I'm not getting at that. Another thing, Siwoo Kim was at the Heritage. And the ball went up there to the hole. And it sat on the lip. And it was there. And and what's his name? Um, 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 what's his name again? The big tall with the day. He should be, he'd be great in a, in, in a bat. Kucha. And he was there, and they were. But he'd be great there. in Batman, wouldn't he? You know, the guy that you don't want to put five p down because he might <laughs> mark your ball. But Siwoo Kim, he's born. They're both looking down there, and the ball's just on the top of the hole, and it's moving. And after about twenty-five seconds, it fell in. Obviously, you're only allowed ten seconds yeah. for the ball to go in, so it falls in. So now the rules official comes across, and he comes across and says, "No." That counts as a shot. You only get 10 seconds. How are you allowed to hit a moving ball? So if you're not, if you, you're not allowed to hit a moving ball, if it falls in, why doesn't he pull the ball out and knock it on the end and then tap it in? I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that. If the ball's moving into the hole, if it takes 30 seconds, okay, give it a minute. A minute's okay for a moving ball. But 10 seconds? I thought Siwoo Kim was hardly done by that incident. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was sitting there and I was just gobsmacked. To, and he says, no, that's it. It fell in. It really was a birdie. But no, the rules official says, I'm not blaming the rules official. 
But these are the rules. But I, I don't, I don't, I didn't get that. So it's a rule change. We and we're going to be talking about this probably in Radar's rants. Rule issues will will but feature I, heavily. We'll, we'll get a few things, but there's a few uh, rules things that we'll definitely discuss uh, over our show. Yes, but some things to me just niggle me as mm. well, especially when I'm out there yeah. amongst it. You know, and these guys were arguing and arguing. And they go, "Wait, the ball was moving. You're not allowed to hit a moving ball." And the guy says, "No, no, no that, that's." So you know, those two. Th- there's my radar rant for for this segment. Very nice. First guest. Should we get him up on the phone? Absolutely, he's a good guest at that. And delighted that our very first guest on the podcast, Sturkers and Radar, is. Andy Sullivan. Andy, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Sally. How are you guys? Cheers, guys. Yeah, no, pleasure to be on there. Buzzing. We thought we'd give you the, the honour of our very first guest. Do you feel privileged? I feel very privileged. Anytime I get to talk to uh, to you, Sarah, it's always a privilege. You're generally doing something right as well when you uh, you get to talk to Sarah and Radar. So uh, exciting times. Oh, we like you, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We're big fans. Listen, you talk about doing something right as well. Coming off a very nice finish at the British Masters. How fun was that? Tied for six, but also, of course, a home game for you. I mean, just down the road, the Belfry. I think you're what? Half an hour, 40 minutes away from the golf course. How cool was that week for you? Yeah, no, to be honest with you, it's been like as hard as things have been recently, obviously with travel and, and being away. It was actually awesome to be at home with the family and the kids and come back every night and see them and chill out with them. It's actually like, it's actually really nice, you know. It's just something a bit different at the moment where, you you know, you're going away and you pretty much confined to your room at times and to go back home and to the kids and stuff, it was amazing. Um, out of the tournament, I mean, at one point on that front nine, I literally felt like Ronnie O'Sullivan. I thought it was going for a one four seven with a scorecard <laughs> going red, black, red, black, red, black. Yeah, no, it was a great week. I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the Belfry as I always do. And um, yeah, buzzing for Blandy to be fair. You know, if anyone uh, was going to win that playoff, no disrespect to Guido, but you know, I was really pulling for for Richard to get that done. Bless him, he's uh, been waiting a long time for that. So uh, yeah, really made up for him. Yeah, uh, Sally, you talk about you talk about that. You sleep in your own bed and all that. And what, what a home game, a home gig for you. Like, what's the pressure like on that? Tell the people what it's like to sort of with the expectation of your basically your home championship. I think the expectation is purely put on by yourself. I mean, it's a golf course that again that I've played you know hundreds and hundreds of times, so I know it really, really well. And you, you know. Not that you expect to go around there and shoot 64 every day, but you, you know where to miss, you know what the pins are doing, you generally know what the greens are doing. And I played quite well last week, and I think that's just purely on basis that I knew, you know, a lot of the reads before I even got on the green sort of thing. Walking up, you knew, you know, a lot of where the pot was going to go. So it's just a massive advantage. But it, the only pressure I'd say you put on is, is by yourself, really. Um, obviously, it would have been great to have fans in if we could have. I mean, it would have been brilliant for myself and. You know, a lot of the English guys to have that because you know there's nothing like having a home crowd behind you. It was a good showing, really good. So, Sully, let's take you back. The English Championship last August 2020, your first win in five years, your first win since 2015. But why was it so emotional for you? Um, you know, I think a lot of things have. You know, it's just been a, a long build-up. We've gone through a lot as a family. You know, me and my fiance losing her brother. Uh, in the circumstances we did, you know, and it's just been a long wait, really. My expectation of myself um, was very high after, obviously, 
you know, everything seemed to come really easy to me um, the first sort of four years. You know, I've gone from coming straight from amateur golf, getting my tour card within two, three years, winning events, and four years playing Ryder Cup, and you're like, whoa, this is, is happening really quickly. And it just seemed like it was on a, a, a massive upward spiral. And then I hit a bit of a brick wall, and, it, and I found it difficult to really... I think the hardest thing I found was, I was you know, I was working probably harder than I've ever had and just wasn't getting the results. And sometimes you just have to take a backward step almost. And that's what I did and just come away from it, start to enjoy the family a little bit more and, you know, really spend time with them. And, and sort of golf sort of got took on the back burner. But then, the, you know, start to relax a little bit more on the course, especially when, you know, we had that break uh, for the COVID-19. And, you know, a lot of times I think about what I wanted from the game and, how I wanted myself to play the game and how I was going to handle myself and how I was going to, you know, come across and to people and stuff. Because I think I was going down a road where because I wanted to win so much again, it was like I was turning into an absolute arsehole because I was getting so angry with myself because I wasn't getting You're the results. You're not capable of being an arsehole, Sally. You're not capable oh. of that. Oh, trust me. Yes, you Every are. Golf, yes, you are. Yes, you oh are. Oh, my God. 100%. Every golfer. We all are. Planet. Yeah, exactly. We all are. Golfers. And what do you want out of the golf? What do you want out of the game, Sally? Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. <laughs> oh, no. I to be, for me, it's not like, I genuinely not about the money, but like for me, when I'm in the ground and in my bloody, you know, whatever, burnt, whatever, I don't care, but. You know, I, you know, you want to be remembered for your tournament wins and what you win the game, not you know how much dough you've won and whatever. So for me, it was all about you know I want to, I want to, you know, leave my kids something to remember me by, and the only way we're going to do that is buy trophies because if I leave them all the cash, they've spent that already anyway. So uh, it's no good leaving them that. <laughs> well, we know where you're at the airport, but I'll tell you what, you're cheating there. Are you in one of those little buggies? Are they pushing you around, Sally? <laughs> To be fair, he just drove by and I was like, come on, mate. I'm trying to do an interview here. <laughs> Sully, I remember, Radar, do you remember this? When he won, stepdaughter, celebrations on FaceTime. Your stepdaughter, Sully. We're going to get so much beer that we're going to spray them on you. When we open them up, we're going to shake them up. What a waste of good beer. She knows you pretty well, right? Yeah, she does know me really, really well, bless her. And she's such a character. I mean, last week was hilarious. Like, obviously, the first time this year that I've started to do well, uh, do well in the tournament, and was in the you know the business end of it. And she was just like, "Are we gonna Are we gonna shake beers on you again, Daddy? You know what I mean? I'm like, "Well, I don't know, darling, but I'll try my best." And I'm like, she's such a little character, bless her. And uh, yeah, it's um, again, it was brilliant to have that at home, and it's sort of just. I don't know, it just it takes your mind away from the golf almost having the kids there because they're just, you know, they're not bothered if I, you know, shoot 80 or 68, do you know what I mean? They just love having me back. So it was uh, it was nice to be in that environment. Sully, we've got a new little feature that we're, that we're launching and um, you are first up, so congrats, falls on you to give us the first answer. <laughs> it's called I'll Have a Mulligan, Please, a segment where we ask a player... If they could redo one thing in their life or their career. Easy. I mean, if I could, you know, if I could have a mulligan, I'd have another go at the Ryder Cup. That's no doubt about that for me. Like, once you've played one, you just want to play them all. There's just the adrenaline rush, the pressure. 
they're just the con- there's a consequence to every shot, and I just love that feeling of going out there and having the fact of you know every shot means something. It, it just the adrenaline you got from it. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely love to, to have another go or go back and have another crack at Hazel team. We also want to know. Now, I've teed you up with this, Sully, before we uh, we got you on the call today. I like this one, this, Sal. This, this is, is great. This is going to be fun. We like to learn about other people. <laughs> it's, called, it's called BGF, Best Golfing Friend. Now, I think I know who you're going to say, but I want you to tell us a li- something revealing about this character or maybe a little story that you can share with our listeners. Sally's a friendly guy. So I, this would be yeah. difficult for me because I haven't got any friends. <laughs> oh, my God. So, obviously, for my my BGS would be Mr. Paul Waring himself. Nice man. Uh, yeah, he's a great lad. And ever since I got on tour, you know, with me and him, we just hit it off. Obviously, quite similar personalities, very sociable guys and stuff. So... The funniest, uh, well, not the funniest. I mean, I've got so we've got so many stories. I'm not quite sure how many of them I could say on it, but I think this is probably the most appropriate. Um, basically, we've uh, we're playing up at Castle Stewart Inverness. Yeah. And uh, we both had shockers, Mr. Cup, shocking. <laughs> and uh, we've gone out in Inverness, you know, absolute party central Inverness. Um, we've gone out to this, we've gone out to this little place, just sat there. And as Waring does, you know, he's not called the, the show for no reason. Um, he goes, Tom, Merv Clico, pretty good a bottle. We've got to get one. Merv Clico. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like that. I'm, oh, God. I said, yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll get a bottle. No, no problem. And then, but before this even kicks off, we've like literally... I said to my caddy, oh, I'm keen, I'm only, it's probably, I think it's about my second year on tour. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, I've said I'm going to go practice tomorrow. Thinking, yeah, yeah, Anyway, first bottle of verb goes down. Before we know it, we're about eight bottles in. I'm on the middle of the dance, I'm on the middle of this dance floor in Inverness that no one's ever seen before, that I'm quite sure I was sticking to at one point, the floor's that sticky. Spraying bottles of Verve Clico over these people. <laughs> 50 I no quid a pop. Yeah, just spraying it in the middle of the dance floor and wearing just staring at me like going, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> and um, that's the kind of guys we are, really, when we do that. Yeah, when we let loose, we let loose properly. Oh, and, and, and rightly so. And we've got another little thing here. <laughs> You're going to be the first one for. We're going to go and have a quick nine, Andy. We're going to have a quick okay. night. We're going to say, ask you some favourite things and all sorts of things, but you're going to fire back nice and swiftly. Okie dokie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Right. Number one, favourite night out? Liverpool. Liverpool. By a million miles. Always a cracking night out. Favourite quote or mantra, something that you try to live your life by? Memento more. Marcus Aurelius is uh, famous saying. Love it. Favourite stop on tour? Uh, Dubai. Favourite twerking song? Funny old word. Favourite twerking, twerking song? Twerking. Oh, twerking. my God. I mean... It's twerking there, Andy. <laughs> I wouldn't... I mean, it's got to be something like Cardi B, hasn't it? Cardi B's new one, isn't it? That'll be... That'll be I could see myself twerking to that. I can picture that right now. One club yeah. for the rest of your life. Which one, Andy? Oh, Driver. Oh, oh come on. What about Stringfellows? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm banned from there now. I used to be alright. I'm banned now. <laughs> Favorite swing on tour? One that you admire the most? Favorite swing on tour? Uh, you know, I think uh, desert swing always the best. Start of the year gets the start of the year after a good start. I love desert swing. I was thinking more like McElroy swing or Ustazen swing or. <laughs> Which swing do you admire the most? But you know, the desert swing's cracking. <laughs> we'll take that. No, we're going to take that. Yeah, that'll do. We're going to go to number seven. Perfect foursomes partner, Sully. Got to be someone like Frankie Molinari, isn't it? He's like PlayStation golf, isn't it, when he plays? It's just like throwing frozen runs every shot. So, yeah, Frankie Molinari. Good shout. Uh, celebrity crush. Oh, I'm a little bit of a man crush on Matt Middleton. I think he's an absolute hero, so I'll probably say him. That's fair enough. Man crush, girl crush, whatever. Okay. My best chat-up line is, Hi, my name's Wayne. How am I doing so far? What's your best chat-up line? Oh, my God. I mean, I would dread to think of the stuff I have actually said to women that have tried to chat them up. And generally, they don't understand me because I'm that drunk when I have to say it because I'm never sober. (laughs) I don't really tend to use chat lines. I tend to just, you know, just wing it in there. Do you know what I mean? Just try and be myself, which generally goes wrong. But um, I think a few have fell for it over the years. I don't really do chat lines. You just sidle up there with a grin with and a, a bottle of Merv Clico yeah. and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hope for I the best. Walk on the dance- I just walk on the dance floor <laughs> with a bottle of Merv and go, you are, darling, ain't you about that? Pop, have some of Sully, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on as our very first guest and you're about to get on a plane to fly to the PGA Championship. So uh, I am indeed. Wishing you all the very best and yeah, thanks for your time. Have you played there, Sully, Kira Island? No, I haven't. I can't wait. I've heard only great things about it. I played World Cup there for Australia in 1997 and I'll tell you, it's uh, this week it's going to be the guy who gets it up and down. It's a beastly thing, but it truly is... Just a wonderful place. Sorry, they didn't take your strategies. Take your strategies on board there, but um, you actually played World Cup. That's what more is. Is more impressed with? I can't believe someone let you play World Cup partners. Wow. Well, well, yeah, I managed to get in there, mate. I mean, I, you know, back in the day, I could actually quite, you know, quite decent. You and I have had previous. Fair, this is this, this podcast has been brought to you by Ping, but you and I had a round with Radar, and that, you know, that ended in tears for me, mate. But listen, have a great, great week, and uh, you're going in there with form. So, ah, bring us home the uh, the Wanamaker. Top man, Sully. Cheers, guys. Oh, how good, Sully Sturkers. One of the good guys. We're a dying race. <laughs> We love him, don't we? He's brilliant. I love the fact that, I mean, we've seen week in, week out on the tour. Smiley guy, great personality, but he always gives, I mean, you talk to him when you're out on course all the time, right? Never he changes. gives you time. Never yeah. changes. You know, and I wait for people to come to me. Obviously, you're not going to over, over to speak to them when they're, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, doing their job, their day job. He's one of the first guys that comes over and has a nice little whinge in a while. <laughs> Sully mentioned it there, Radar. Richard Bland. 478th event on the European tour. I was sat watching that Saturday, closing stages at the Belfry. I was willing him to victory. I know you were there covering it uh, for Sky. You had a little tear in your eye, didn't you? I did. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't the only one. We, we, we were standing there and, uh, you yeah, know, I had a tear in my eye, especially when the family came on. Look, it, it's very 
it's amazing to speak. When you're a professional golfer and you go out and start, you really do start. I started playing on tour in Australia when I was 18 years of age as a professional golfer, and you don't really know if you are going to be successful or not. And when you win your first championship, you know you can do it. Okay, I went, I went on to win like six around the world, four national opens. Like, okay, I wasn't a great player. Best I got was top 60 in the world, but there were only 59, you know, 55 players in the world better than me at that time. Not bad. I wasn't a superstar, but I did okay. But if you don't win on tour, on the European tour or the PGA tour, if that's where you, you play, at the end of the day, when you are bouncing your little grand child on your knee and you haven't got and you look over there in the trophy cabinet and they go Grand, granddad that trophy cabinet why isn't there anything in that you know it's because you didn't win and because you weren't successful and I apologise to everyone who's played on the PGA Tour or the European Tour or the Australian Tour already Tour around the world and you haven't won anything I apologise for that and I know you don't you, you feel left out it's because you are <laughs> It's very, it's very, very simple. I mean, you, you didn't win, and you weren't. You might have made a decent living at the time, but everyone wants to win on tour. That's what we're trying to do, and Richard Bland did that at the ripe old age of forty-eight years young. How the heck does he keep that belief? Four hundred and seventy-seven events in. How does he? How does he still think I can still do this? Because Richard Bland is simply a golf junkie. He, he just loves the game. He loves to compete. He loves to practice. And, uh, he, and he's got a great coach in Tim Barter. They stick together like as thick as thieves and they work at it and he has belief. And I imagine if you haven't won anything at that, that age, that time in your career, you must keep on striving towards winning. If you have done it, like I retired at 40 and I had won my, my, my championships. You know, Why did you retire at 40? Uh, I just had, had, had enough and I wanted to go back. And I used to practice very, very hard. And I started very young and I was worn out, really. I was, um, you know, more cuckoo than I am now. And, and I just wanted to go back home to Australia. And uh, I did that and, 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 and had three years. And now commentary found me and our great uh, Sturkers and Radar podcasters found me. So it's, it's one of those. But he, he hadn't won anything. And I imagine he just he had something to hold on to, and that was a victory, and he got it. And let's face it, maybe it's not over yet. Maybe he might find another one. I love what he said because he had to drop down to the Challenge Tour, didn't he? And he said, what, 46 years of age is a couple of years ago. So, well, what else am I going to do for four years before yeah. I turn 50? What is he going to do? I mean, he, like you said, he's an absolute golf junkie. So, Stack shells yeah. at Tesco's? Yeah. What did you used to do, Richard? Well, I was a professional <laughs> golfer on the European Tour. You were not. Put the Cocoa Pops up there, son, and shut up. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a teary moment. Mm. It was... When you see someone who's worked so hard, you know, there's only a few guys that won on the European Tour at that age. I think Des Smith was he won in Madeira. And Miguel Angel Jimenez, he, he, he won a few times, in, yeah. a lot in his 40s and now on the Champions Tour. And he wants to play on the Champions Tour in two years' time, uh, Richard Bland. So this is a great springboard. This is going to give him belief. And he's part of the European Tour family. It's a big family. It doesn't matter. It's a world tour, the... the, the the, the European Tour, and he's very much part of it. And congratulations, Richard. Just a fantastic win in a big championship. You know, the British Masters at the iconic Belfry. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's ticked one off there. Amazing. Yep. It takes a lot for you to get emotional. So, yeah, it, it was a 
a fabulous, fabulous victory. Let's talk Rory McIlroy. Wells Fargo, a couple of weeks ago, first victory since, what, end of 2019. But I specifically want to talk about Harry Diamond, the caddy who's obviously been instrumental, their best mates. They've talked a lot about that. But Radar, there's always this big discussion and dilemma about professional caddies. You know, we see with Tommy Fleetwood, Finno, we see with McElroy, of course, now with with Diamond. We, we have seen guys, Lee Westwood, fiance Helen, or his son, Sam. We're seeing a little bit of a trend away from, say, the professional caddy. And quite often we, we hear, and I'm getting a little bit frustrated, I don't know about you, that the constant call for Rory McElroy to employ somebody different by his side, the, the termed more experienced guy. How instrumental was Harry Diamond, do you think, particularly that final hole, urged him to take a drop, ended up making bogey five. It was a good bogey five in the end, one-shot victory. Did we not see the real crux of that relationship right there? We certainly did, but, but, but caddies... Some caddies that come in and that you don't expect with certain players, I think it goes back to way back when with Sandy, Fanny Sunison with Nick Faldo. And they went on to have such an unbelievable male-female career together. But Harry Diamond, he's pal. He's uh, in a family of nightclubs and pubs, I do believe. And, yeah, a lot of people said Rory has history of having mates on the bag. What is wrong with that? Exactly. I've always said... And people go, well, he'd be a good player if he gets a good caddy. I mean, he's world number one, for heaven's sake. He's won four majors. And I sit with these people. I go, what are you talking? I actually walk away from them and go, what are you talking The Lee Westwood example. He said, when Helen's on my bag, by my side, I feel more relaxed. Honda helps, Which helps my golf. Honda second. (laughs) Players second. With Helen on the bag. What more? These people just want... I won uh, two championships in my time with female caddies. And the reason being is because it had settled me down. I couldn't curse or I couldn't do what I usually Not do. Not your ex-wife. Which, which, no. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, oh. But the thing is, no, she wasn't invited. But it just settles me down. And it is what, at the end of the day, it's the player's choice exactly. of what's happening. Just as long as you've got someone close to you to go, God, get your head out of your they know, you know, They know what they need. They know Absolutely. what they need to be comfortable. So do all those people who keep chirping on about this need to pipe down? Absolutely. Pipe down and just look and learn. These guys are serious golfers. They aren't putting caddies of their choices on the bag just because they want to be different. They are doing what is the best for them. And gee whiz, isn't it working? And something else... We've talked a little bit about this as well. The work with Pete Cowan. He's now sort of introduced that little cut with the driver. Yep. He said, I struggle probably nowadays, modern technology, to turn the ball over, to hit it right to left. You've talked about this quite a lot, haven't you? Why is it? You know, we see, you look at DJ, you look at Ram, you look at Brooks Kepka, JT. They all favour that kind of, that power fade, if you like, that cut off the tee. Why is it with modern technology nowadays that it's harder to turn the ball over right to left? The only players that can turn it right to left now are guys who don't hit it a long way because they aren't generating such club head speed with the trampoline effect with these huge metal drivers that you can fly to Singapore on. They are just so huge and you get that trampoline effect. If you're a softball hitter, you don't create speed, you can turn it from right to left. It's, it isn't easy. But when you generate power like Dustin Johnson, like Brooks Kepka, 
and the great four-time Mates champion, Rory McIlroy. They're hitting it so hard that they expect it to fade. Now, Rory McIlroy's been trying for a draw and it hasn't been successful. I've been saying this for a long time. And now for him to just aim it down the left-hand side into the semi and just pound on it. You know, the first hole on Sunday of the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow was the best swing I've seen Rory McIlroy make for quite some time. He aimed it down the left-hand side and he slotted it at the top and it was just in an unbelievable position. It almost was like Tiger Woods of 2000 under Butch Harmon and he just went kapow. And when Rory McIlroy drives it well, well, look out. He's like uh, Dustin Johnson and he's like um, Brooks and he's, he's like Justin Thomas. If they drive it well and they get it out there 320 yards and you're hitting it 290, how are you going to beat them? You, you aren't. And if they part half decent. But the way he's swinging the club um, and he's gone to that little Virginia way, little soft one, oh, wow. He's, nice. he's looking really sharp. Also doing a little bit of work with Bob Rotella as well, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's instinct. Old, yeah. He's instinct putting. He's instinct. What he look he, he he thinks about is once you're over the ball, it's one look bang, and that's what it's almost like tennis. The ball's coming to you. You hit it straight back. It's instinctive. You played a lot of tennis. I did. You were going to be a, a pro. That was you? my that was my dream when I was younger to be a tennis player. Who was your favourite tennis player? I was a big Agassi fan. Were you? Yeah, loved Andre Agassi. Yeah. I mean, he just... I, I loved Steffi, so didn't they spoil our part? <laughs> Happily married with kids. Ah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, dream marriage, wasn't it? Yeah, Agassi was great. What about his backhand down the down the line? And just Do you remember the denim shorts and the cycling shorts yeah, I underneath? Remember all that. The long hair. I remember and, all yeah. that. But getting back to it, sorry to go off there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we just got carried away. But the thing is, instinctive golf is... Different to the hitting the ball back. The ball sits still and it sits down and you look at it and it sits back up and it looks back up at you and it starts to speak to you and you've got plenty of time to look back down on it and sort of think, well, what am I going to do with you? And the thing is with it, you've got to be able to sort of react and that's what Bob Rotella is. It's one look, bang. No time for three looks and lining it up and all that sort of stuff. He's more, get it down, make your mind up, let's go with it. And that's the way he is. And that's why Faxon was so good. He was Bob Rotella. And that's why um, Aaron Badley, if you look at they they putt so swiftly and so quickly. And that's why they're great putters. They haven't got time to think about missing. Well, he's worked with Faxon as well, hasn't, hasn't he? On exactly that instinct. instinct. The feel of Bob Rotella putting. now. I'd love a, I'd love sort of Bob Rotella to have a, so like a session with you. I just think that I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Me on a sports psychology. Yeah. Well, he'd end up with, in a straight jacket. <laughs> Especially I mean, with the putter. Wow. <laughs> like a live rattlesnake. What, what a challenge. Anyway, it was amazing, wasn't it, to see McElroy back in the winner's circle and many congratulations to Richard Won't Bland be the last. as well. Absolutely. Won't be the last. I think we're going to come on we to that know, a bit later. We, knows, we? we know what he's capable of once yeah. he gets that backside in the air. Exactly. Now, Radar, you had Radar's rants, your chance to let rip, so to speak, in terms of things in the game of golf right now. And I'm, I've got stirked me... So I get my own little segment where, <laughs> where I'm going to talk about something that something that gets my goat, something that's really frustrating me. Go on. And I, I wonder if, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this or not. Premier Golf League. Ooh-wee. I mean, be, to be quite honest, I'm, I'm pretty bored with this right now. I think it's been in the news. It's been on social media for seemingly quite a few years now. Would you agree? And... 
So here's the thing. The PGA Tour and the European Tour, they form the strategic alliance. They're working together. Nobody wants this to happen. The European Tour, PGA Tour absolutely do not want the Premier Golf League to happen. The Premier Golf League, their kind of premise or ethos or mantra was about getting, they believe that the big players, the top guys, do not play against each other regularly enough at big tournaments through the course of the year. So kind of fine, get that. Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, both said, John Rahm as well, not for me, I'm out. Three top players who've said, I'm not going near it. McElroy's called it a money grab. So why is this still on the agenda? If this, the only way that something like a breakaway league would work would be if all the top players were there competing together. If three or four of the top guys have already said, absolutely no way am I even going to touch this with a barge pole, why are we still discussing it? Yeah. You're not for it. Absolutely not. Okay. Because the only way I could see, it's like Phil Mickelson, somebody like, you know, 50 years of age, yeah. achieved everything, major wins, a huge success on the PJ Tour. It's kind of like Take an the almost... wheelbarrow yeah, and fill it up with exactly. money. It's like a last chance saloon. The younger guys, McElroy's talked about it, legacy, I'm about winning majors, I'm about winning PGA Tour events. I want to be remembered, not for the guy that just walked off with a however many million from Saudi money. It, it would only work if the top guys were there competing and enough of the top guys have said, I'm not going to do it. So why are we still talking about it? Okay, what if I put another way to you? We'll forget these guys who are, haven't been within our game ever and they're coming in because obviously they can see the benefits of TV money and a new league. They're just coming in, gate crashing our party. What happens if I said to you, okay, if the PGA Tour and the European Tour got together and they created an 18-tournament world tour. And we've got the best players playing for $15 million a week, and they are playing. Over here, the BMW PGA. The four majors stand alone, because they can stand alone. They don't even have to put up 15 million. They could put up 10 themselves, because everyone will play in the majors, and rightly so. But if we had 18 tournaments, and Monaghan, Jay Monaghan and Keith Pelly got together, and the powers of being in Australia, maybe one in Australia, one in Japan, and we had a world tour like Formula One. I agree with you totally. Yes, but they got together and we made a world tour. Every TV network in the world would, who were interested in sport, like who we work for, Sky Sports, they would go kaboom. We're having that. That would be awesome. And the other tours, the smaller ones, are feeder tours, good money they play for to get on that tour. 100 players. Totally agree. Maybe 80. Yeah, That's what we do. And Everyone the, the would want to F1 watch it. The F1 model, totally agree. The F1 model is bang on. But surely that's what the PGA Tour and the European Tour, tour with this alliance are working towards. That's the end so. game. So why the breakaway league, who's going to touch that? I don't think anyone, I don't think they can get in there because basically what's going to happen, the PGA Tour and the European Tour, these two, Jay Monaghan and, and Keith Pelly, they're going to conduct the orchestra. And so they should. They Absolutely. built this city. If they you, built this city. <laughs> they built this city. If you're Justin Thomas, why are you going to a breakaway league? You're not now going. You're, exactly. You're not going. None of them are sure. Who, who is going to go? Phil Mickelson's going to be your teammate. Who's going to go to the, who's going to play? He can't fit Phil, in the car anymore. Is it? <laughs> Phil can't fit in the car anymore. 
Isn't the Premier Golf League going to be Phil Mickelson and who else? I mean, who's who are we talking about? Well, I might get a gig. Yeah, well, do you know what? You'd go for a few mil, wouldn't look, you? Look, Phil's great. He's still competing out there. He's a wonderful player. But look, they can do the, this themselves. They can do this 18 tournaments, maybe 20. 18's perfect. The four majors. And let's just... 100%. Uh, just the world... Tour. Greg Norman, back in the day, wasn't so silly. Oh, agree. So the Premier Golf League... I'd like it to disappear pretty swiftly. Yeah. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to finish with the good, the bad, and the fugly. What's your good in golf right now? The great thing is, obviously, for everyone, we're back from this unwelcome visitor that we've had, and we've all been in lockdown, that we're back playing our great game once more. I'm sure everyone's so happy to be out there in the fresh air. I honestly don't, I don't, don't believe that we should have ever been locked down from, from playing golf because you can go out there in a the two ball and you could separate yourselves and everyone would and we could have still played. Don't pick the ball out of the hole, leave the flag in and everyone would have been fine. But, you know, the government knows better than me and they've done a fantastic job. But I think that um, that, that is the good for me that we're back playing golf. My good would be the Rose Lady series. Been following that at all? I think that's been fantastic. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Gabs Cowley, Liz Young, Becky Brewerton, who just picked up the victory at Brockenhurst Manor 10 years since she won a professional event back in 2011. So I think the Rose Ladies Series has been fantastic for the women's game. Uh, the new Ladies European Tour season underway as well. So uh, good stuff in the women's game right now. Well, that's fantastic. Absolutely. But we've got the bad as well. So we've got done the good. So the bad, I'm going to go to the ladies. I'm going to the ladies on the LET don't play for enough money. I think they're being left out. I don't think uh, it's all on television and it's all great. We've got some wonderful players on the ladies' European tour and I believe that um, they need a fair go and I think the money should be be up because it's very, very difficult as a lady professional golfer to, to, to make a good living or a decent living with the money they play for. And I, I think it's a, a great opportunity for a sponsor to come in, the naming sponsor, and just kaboom, go in there and, and, and just... just take over that thing and let these ladies play for some decent money. I even go go on off that a little bit. The World Cup of Golf should come back as well. It hasn't been here for a couple of years, a few years. But I believe the World Cup of Golf should be man and lady. Um, my bad rangefinders will be allowed for the upcoming PGA Championship. It's supposed to increase the pace of play. Surely it's going to do the opposite. I mean, I've heard a few of the players saying I've had a hard time seeing it speed things up. You know, I think Justin Thomas said it's not like we're just going to step up, shoot it and go. I think it's going to create more deliberation. Even DeChambeau, even your big mate Bryson DeChambeau thinks if you double check in the numbers, that may not be great. He thinks it's going to slow things down. And that's from the big man himself. He's not the quickest out there. What do you think? Here, here. Yeah, it's going to slow things down. I don't see the benefit of it whatsoever. I just... Don't get it, to be honest. Fugly. Yeah, the fugly. <laughs> well, I don't believe that the Masters and the PGA should be a lifetime exemption because you'll be wheeling out. They'll be out there with their Zimmer frames playing. You've got to give these young stallions a go to play and the youngsters coming in. I think you've got to set an age on that kind of thing. Like the PGA... And the, the Masters do that. The US Open have got it right. You have 10 years. You have 10 years if you win the US Open, like Ma Michael Campbell did. Basically played 10 years and then he kind of retired, went away from it. And, uh, and rightly so. 
Oh, I think they have it right. The Open Championship have it right as well. They've got it to 60 years of age. I think that might be a little too far. I think 58, maybe 60. Are you going to get out and win the Open? A lot of people are going to look and go, wait a second, Turnbury. <laughs> Tom Watson, he nearly did it. Should have won it. That last shot to the last green there at Turnbury trickled over the back. Yeah. Unbelievable to win. Uh, but uh, Stuart Sink... Uh, Came and won, and won very, very well. Gate crashed Tom's party. We were all crying that day. But that is my fugly. I just think the two uh, championships that, you know, wheel them out and forever, and surely they must sort of go on a phone call, listen, mate, you, you, you're 70 years of age. I don't think you should play anymore. Do you think that's happening? Well, uh, they've, got yeah. to, they've got to give them a hint. Listen, you, listen the, the old green jacket that's in the locker room there, mate. It's getting a bit of dandruff on and that sort of thing. You're starting to get a bit old here. It's got, there's a couple of holes in it in, in the locker there. So, yeah, that's my little rant there. So, uh, come on, bring it on. What do you got? I was going to say, now that you're a social media star, have, oh, you, been, <laughs> have you been seeing all this about the NCAA? on social media the last few days. I saw a little bit of it, but you're into that stuff because you went to college over there. I did. I played tennis over there. There you go. I told you all. She was a good tennis player. She is a good tennis player. She knows this stuff, Radar. So the NCAA Women's Regional Event in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, it was cancelled because the course was deemed unplayable. Waterlogged golf course, they said the course is playable, but it's unplayable at championship level. Now, there's been quite a lot that's come out I don't, I mean, I don't know. I do know the college system a little bit, obviously been over there, but various reports saying that the NCAA's handling of women events, it kind of wasn't surprising. So my question is sort of, I think it's just, it's fugly because if that had been a men's event, would that have been cancelled? And there was uproar about this. It was all over social media. Women golfers at college level not getting the opportunity to play because the NCAA, we don't really know why, but the NCAA, AA basically said, no, the course isn't playable. Didn't make any effort to get the course playable. And these college golfers were just out on a limb, weren't able to play that regional event. And thankfully, an event company in the US has stepped in to give them the opportunity. But I think it was pretty shocking. So yeah, that, was that is shocking. Especially, shocking, especially when we're an individual sport, one of a few that play outside in the elements um, only a few that start, you play outside in the elements with your own golf ball by yourself. Okay, it's a team event, but you still are hitting your own ball. Um, yeah, that, that, that's truly bad. Look, the ladies in, in, in well, uh, the LPGA, I think they've got a great um, product over there. But I think the ladies in, in our game, they haven't had the fair end of the stick. Well, forever. And I think that needs, totally, it needs addressing. And I really respect that. You know, you see a lot of guys now, Justin Rose, I mentioned with the Rose Ladies series, people like you, figures in the game to bang the drum for women's golf, I think's, I think's good. Top, top boy. <laughs> so, Radar, our final segment, we're going to make a prediction. On your radar, what is going to happen in the world of golf before we net sit opposite each other on the kitchen table? Jordan Spieth, on his quest to win the career Grand Slam, winning the PGA Championship. It's going to be spoilt no. by Rory McIlroy coming along with a spring in his step. As we saw as an 18-year-old <laughs> lad, he's going to come along and he is going to gate-crash that party and we're going to see Jordan Spieth ball his eyes out because it's going to be a playoff. It's all going to be finished and Rory is going to win another PGA Championship on his way by December being world number one.
punchy. I'm going to disagree and say the next time, Radar, we sit opposite each other at the kitchen table discussing the world of golf, John Rahm will be a major champion. You know what? <laughs> you know what? He has the best swing in the game right now. Stands very close to it and it's just a great swing. He is so very powerful. I just, out of the big five players in the world, I question his temperament just a little. He's got a little bit of fire in his belly. He certainly has. That's just about all we've got time for, ladies and gents. Before we go, though, we must just remind you of our social media handles on Twitter, Sturkers Radar, at Sturkers Radar, and on Instagram, at Sturkers and Radar Pod. And your personal account is uh, <laughs> Wayne Radar Riley. Slash. No, not slash. Don't have, don't slash. Don't slash. <laughs> it's Wayne Radar Riley underscore. Haven't you got a social media executive managing no, your oh, account? Trust me, I have days. two daughters that are doing all right. <laughs> that is it for this month's Sturkers and Radar. Oh, don't you cuts. forget. Brought Hi. to you by... Ping Play Your Best. We'll see you next time. This has been a Monkey Pants Productions podcast. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.